0: Reginald, quick, what's your favorite podcast? The Reformed Podcast.
1: Uh, What's your second favorite?
0: Calvinist Batman and Friends. Chris, I don't think he understands the point of advertising. Well, another good podcast is The Rugged Marriage. It's our podcast where we talk practically and biblically about what it means when two sinful people say, I do. Check out the new episodes every Monday and learn with us as we discuss marriage, life, death, sin, and everything in between. Reform your theology, reform your marriage. And stay rugged, my friends.
1: The Bar. Biblical and reforming. For those of us who claim Christ, our authority is
0: the scripture. For those who don't claim Christ or reclaim another, I- I'd like for them to, we challenge them, to explain a standard of truth apart from scripture. Uh, it, it explain the nature of good and evil apart, apart from the scripture um, there, there's, you, you have no context there's no justification for it except for the whims of, of, men, of you know, men and so man we, we stand upon the foundation of the scripture sola scriptura, scripture alone man Doctrine.
1: Yeah, sola scriptura scripture alone that means scripture alone what's your eternal situation for the age of creation for he laid the foundation was a plan for expiation christ became propitiation meaning he switched his places on the cross for our disgraces in the crowd he saw our faces just... welcome everybody to the bar it's your boy duane in the building that's right you're at the bar where we are biblical and reformed. And I'm excited this morning, early in the morning, to uh have on this special guest. Uh been listening to him for a while and and uh and 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 really enjoy his show. So I said, Man, I gotta bring him on my show so I can expose him to my audience. And this morning we have the privilege to have Pastor Mike Avendroth. How are you this morning, sir? Great.
0: Great this morning. Thanks for having me on the show. I have a tagline for No Compromise Radio and it's always biblical, always controversial, uh, or always provocative. Yeah. So you've got you've got B A R, I've got maybe B A C or B A P I think good, yours man. is I, I think yours is better. Oh, thank you. Thank you.
1: <laughs> That's good. But you know, um this this actual show came out of a Facebook page that I that I started 5 years ago called be not deceived and it was kind of that's a, a lot of reasons why i love your show because it's kind of the same you know the whole you know uh discernment and and no compromise and 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 not falling for the culture man so that's one of the main reasons why I, I fell in love with with what you got going on over there and that's actually called be not deceived we call it the bnd but the show is the bar so all these acronyms this morning and it's too early for all that but anyway <laughs>
0: Well oh, as you were talking, mic, Wayne, I was I was thinking about don't be deceived and you know, there are several places in scripture that say yes. don't be deceived. And uh mm-hmm. why why would Paul for instance uh write that in First Corinthians? Well, the answer is because it's easy to be deceived. If it was exactly. just, you know, no problem at all, he would never give the warning and there's a warning in James as well and first Corinthians and and so Paul Paul knows how easy it is for us to maybe follow our emotions, or we change a mm-hmm. doctrine because we've got a friend that believes mm-hmm, something, mm-hmm. or how could we believe in hell because uh, you know our daughter's are a sweet girl, but she's denying the faith. So Paul writes very explicitly: Do not. Oh yes, believe. sir.
1: Yes, sir. Yeah that that was the inspiration for the name. Uh, but but see you're already preaching, man. Hold on, wait a wait. Let the people know. <laughs> Who you are? <laughs> where you? Where, where, you know what you doing? You know, all give, give them that information before we get
0: into the good stuff. Sure. Well, I grew up in Omaha, Nebraska. I was born in 1960, so that makes me a senior citizen. I get discounts now
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> at certain restaurants, and uh, went to the University of Nebraska. And I pretty much just, you know, I didn't grow up any religious format in terms of evangelical I was a mainline lutheran but I really think I probably worshiped out of anything in the world besides myself I worshiped basketball everything was basketball mm. basketball and you know meeting Jerry West or that kind of stuff uh, that was that was that was big for me back in those days and everything seemed to go fine I mean when you're young uh, and healthy um, you think at least in your mind, of course, you're deceived that you don't need the Lord or anything <laughs> like that. Right. I moved to Los Angeles uh, after college because I thought, you know what, I was a punk rock disc jockey in college. I can go to punk rock clubs at night. I can surf in the morning. Uh, I can watch the Lakers. Magic Johnson, I was a brand new Laker. And so anyway, I'll mm. let, let me get to Los Angeles. So I moved to Los Angeles in 1982, 83-ish and uh, lived my life. I was a sales rep and sold medical devices. And then one day I got the phone call that my dad at 54 years old had cancer and it was terminal. And I Mm -hmm. remember picking up a Bible and I knew there were answers in the Bible. I knew God spoke in the Bible, but I just didn't really know where to go. And so I didn't throw it down in disgust. I just kind of tossed it down because it was a book that I couldn't read. You know, I I couldn't decode. Mm -hmm. I I couldn't Mm -hmm. understand Technically, I I didn't have the Holy Spirit to illuminate those passages, and so I just thought, you know, I I have to know about heaven and hell, and where's my dad going to go, and there's more to life than just this, you know, you know, Showtime and and, and Lakers and you know, punk rock and everything else. So, <laughs> right, uh, I began listening. A, a, a lady down the street, she ended up being my wife. She said, "You should be listening to Christian radio stations." There's a man named Raul Reese. He's a Calvary Chapel pastor, and he's teaching the Bible, and I think you'd like him. And then right after him was a guy who, at the time, I thought was kind of sterile, but he taught the Bible. (laughs) I thought, if I could only know the Bible like that guy named John MacArthur, I would be okay. So I began to study the Bible and read, and just through reading the Bible and listening to sermons, uh, God Saved Me in 1989. And so I've always had a love for radio and podcasts because that was mm-hmm. the vehicle for me to learn while driving in a car. You know, wow, I listen to that's... sports radio, I listen to rock and roll, I listen to all kinds of things. Then I began to listen to, to you know, the R.C. Sprouls of the world and people who could mm-hmm. help me understand the Bible. And so mm-hmm. uh, God just drew me into ministry, and I've been a pastor in Massachusetts for 20 years and uh, the host of No Compromise Radio for about the past seven. So that's it. That's my life in a nutshell. <laughs> Good deal, man. Good deal. Yeah, I, I think I've heard this um,
1: before, but I want to make sure my, my people got a chance to catch that story, uh, uh, you know, the whole uh, John McCarthy. So did you ever attend Grace to You, or, you know, was that was that in the, in the cards? Well, it was
0: interesting, Dwayne. It was interesting for me because – I needed to live in Los Angeles. I could live anywhere I wanted in LA because as a sales rep, it didn't really matter. But I thought, you know, I should go for a central location and I was going to buy my first house in 1988, 89. And I ended up buying a house in North Hollywood, which is probably, you know, a 10 minute drive to Grace Church. I didn't know who John McCarthy Mm -hmm. was, Grace Church, Master's Seminary, but I bought this house, you know, pretty much down the street from the church. And so when I did then get saved, I went to Grace once, but I thought the music was kind of, you know, old hymns and stuff like that. I wanted right, something right. a little more contemporary. Uh, so then I started going to a Calvary Chapel, and I'd never heard Maranatha music. I'd never heard Christian music with, you know, guitars and stuff. And mm-hmm. so I started going there, uh, which was about an hour away. But then as I was learning and growing I thought, well, you know, I'd, I'd like to go a little bit deeper, and uh, I thought Calvary Chapel was a good introduction. Uh, I learned from mm-hmm. my pastor there that um, the Bible is God's Word, that Jesus is the only Savior, that we should be teaching the Bible chapter by chapter. Uh, but I was drawn to uh, the depth of MacArthur and his preaching. Mm-hmm. And so then I we switched over to Grace Church probably in 1991.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, that's cool, man. That's cool. So what about, uh, you say you've been pastoring for 20 years, um, and I do something usually every week uh, where I I, uh, basically highlight local pastors. Um, and technically, you fall into that category uh, because you you have a local body, uh, and 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 that, that I, re- we, I really appreciate that on this show. So I always you know make sure I salute and take my hat off to guys that are you know doing it on a local level. So as far as your church goes, um, was it a uh, a plant or did you come in? Were you voted in? How did how did that come to come come pass?
0: Sure, I was at Master Seminary, and what they do at the seminary is they will receive uh, inquiries from other churches that want a Master Seminary guy. I mean, all kinds of mm-hmm. seminaries get the same kind of you know emails and letters. So I was told that I couldn't go pastor a church of over 200 with the seminary's blessing because I'd never been a pastor before. I hadn't been a youth pastor, uh, a senior pastor. Uh, what are some of the new pastors? pastor of vision casting. Yeah, that's right. So um, there was a church in Massachusetts and, and they were on the list. They said they wanted a master's guy. So I sent them in, you know, uh, my doctrine of uh, statement of faith and my doctrinal statement and all these things. And so it was almost like, uh, I'm, not, I'm not trying to say it in a negative way. I'm just saying that since it's not mainline denomination, it was it was like a job interview. This is what I could bring. Mm-hmm, this is mm-hmm. what the Lord has done in my life. Right. What are you looking for? And so there's a little courtship of about six months, and I became the pastor. I don't think they vetted me very well. I mean, I told them I was a five-point <laughs> Calvinist. I was presuppositional. I was going to teach the Bible verse by verse. I was a complementarian. I mean, I told them all those things, but I'm not sure they really listened, and I'm not sure I really listened to them when they told me what they Mm -hmm. were about. So when I got to the church, Mm -hmm. it was a Baptist general conference church. It's a denomination in the Baptist world, which is, you know, it's not, there's plenty of liberal Baptist uh, general conference churches, but there's a few good ones. And so I just went in, I thought, I'll teach the Bible verse by verse. And uh, uh, really when I got here, it was, the church was Arminian. It was egalitarian. Mm -hmm. uh, It Mm -hmm. was congregational rule, it was charismatic, it was mm-hmm. uh, pragmatic, it was everything. And so I, I did a little video on the YouTube channel, the No Compromise Radio YouTube channel, how do you change a church? Because now the church mm-hmm. is Calvinistic, it's not pragmatic, <laughs> it's you know elder right. le- leadership, it's cessationist. How do you change it? And the answer is, it's like Luther, when he was asked how did he start the Reformation? And he said, well, uh, I preached the Word of God, and then I went and had a beer and uh, went to bed. And so <laughs> what did he mean by that? He meant right. by that that the Word of God is powerful and living and active, as Hebrews 4 says. In 1 Thessalonians, it talks about how how powerful it is and it does its work in those who believe. So systematic mm-hmm, Bible mm-hmm. teaching over 20 years, will write the ship, and the people at Bethlehem Bible Church are dear people. Uh, so many learn and grow, and I go to their houses, and I think, your library is like a pastor's library. I mean, they want to really get in and dive deeply, and so it's a real privilege to be there to pastor these, these dear sheep. Wow,
1: that's awesome. That's awesome. And, you know, that that's going to help a lot of... Uh, uh, just a lot of listeners that I know personally that, uh, you know, uh, aspire, you know, to, to, to pastor and things of that nature. Um, and, and I know one young man, uh, was talking about, you know, if you go into a church that's not necessarily reformed or, you know, all of those things, you know, how does that work out? So that's really good to know that, hey, that the advice, young man, is to preach the gospel and go home, drink a beer, and go to bed. <laughs> so,
0: well, I was not telling the beer thing as a prescription. It was a description of what Luther said. <laughs> hey, and man, so, this is— This is the bar, man. I was just joking. I was just joking. (laughs) Well, you know, the thing about Bible teaching, and uh, we want want people to learn and grow. Uh, Okay, so let's say, and I think it's true, that the Reformed position, doctrines of grace, um, cessationism, whatever I think is true, then I don't need to manipulate people. I can just teach the Bible because the Spirit of God will change people. And I know for me, you know, when I... if it took me 18 months to grapple with unconditional election uh, and then Mm -hmm. finally submit to it, then what am I going to do when I'm preaching to people and they've only heard that God looks down the corridors of time and then I preach one sermon from Ephesians 1 or Romans 9 and expect them to get it. Now, sometimes people do, but I think as I'm getting older, I think, you know, I can just be patient. I don't have to press this. And uh, the weight of Scripture. I mean, it is a floodgate of information and and uh, high view of God. And God is a sovereign God and sovereign grace. I don't have to really force anything. I can just keep teaching. I'm persistent about it. And you know, one guy told me at church. He said, "You know, it took me five years to finally submit to the doctrine of unconditional election." And I said, "You know what? I, I'm I'm happy. You know, why why do I need mm-hmm. to have?" You know all these people rush into these conclusions that are my conclusions i want them to be their conclusions based on what the text says
1: right right yeah that's that's very true uh even you know on a personal level cuz see i came out of the the charismatic world um uh, and you know uh into the reformed faith and and that's 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 something that kind of speaks to me because i'm i'm basically changing my my family, which is my ministry, you know, I'm 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 teacher trying to teach them, and and I I really appreciate that that advice because, like you said, it I didn't get it just off of one turn, so I can't expect them to do the same thing. So that that that's definitely very very helpful. Um, you you mentioned about you know your 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 uh your your people at your church having a library. You have quite a few books out there that uh that that I've been checking out. Uh, one of them is in my cart. Uh, I, I'll shamefully say that because I, I really want it, but I hadn't got around to to, to purchasing it. But um, it's the, uh, I think it's the Sexual Infidelity. Is that the name of it?
0: Well, you know what? I'll, after the show, make sure you give me your address and I'll send you a copy for free, no problem. And, oh, you know, man, I guess look- it could have been, I, I guess it could have been called Sexual Infidelity because the cover's black, but it's actually called Sexual Fidelity. Fidelity, so got I'm, it. Yeah, and so what happened was with that book, uh, I have four. Ch- I have a wife, Kim. We've been married for 27 years, and I have four children, and they're between 17 and 24 years old now, and one's a son and three daughters. And so I, I mean, I I sat down with everybody when it was age appropriate, with their mom sitting there. This is what the Bible says about creation and. How God made our bodies, and you know, this is what where babies come from. This is what happens. This is what sex is. And you know, let them ask questions and stuff. And then I would say, you know, you girls, you can always ask me questions about it. But you know, you can you probably end up asking mom more questions than me. And so we had you know those nice conversations. But with Luke, my son, it was more father son talks. And so Mm -hmm. we would be working out in the in the garage and lifting weights and, you know, listening to reggae music or something. And it wasn't some kind of sit down with the Bible. It was just life. And then he would ask mm-hmm. me a question. Mm-hmm. And then I would talk to him. And lots of the questions were about sex because I said to him, you can ask me any question you want. I mean, any question. And I'll try to answer it from a biblical perspective. Because I didn't get that with my dad. I mean, when when right. when, when I grew up in Nebraska... My dad's advice was before I went out the door on a date, keep your nose clean. I mean, I, I, I what does that mean? Really? I have no right, idea what right. that means, right? Don't get her pregnant or something. I mean, I don't, is that this code? Just yeah. tell me what the code means and I'll try. So I, I, I try to be very, uh, you know, you know, that's kind of embarrassing to talk about it with a kid, but you know, you just have to work through mm-hmm. that because I'm now the dad and how does a godly dad act? And so I began right. to talk to him, right. and I thought, you know, I should write this down because some of our conversations were so, I don't know if I want to use the word sweet with a young man, uh, but they were just precious. They were they were times that I'll always remember, and I thought, I'm going to write 30 chapters in a book about sexual fidelity and forgiveness of sexual sins. 30 chapters, uh, like a oh. thousand words a chapter, so you could just mm-hmm. open it up and say, what's the Bible say? About you know sex and marriage. What's the Bible say about pornography? What's the Bible say about homosexuality? What's the Bible say about can sleazy sinners wear white on their wedding day? That is to say, can they be (laughs) forgiven by the gospel? And uh, so uh, that's what the book is: sexual fidelity. And I'm, I'm thankful it's it's helped people. I mean, the the day that I said to my son, and I put this in the book. I said, son, my goal for you he was probably sixteen years old. My goal for you as a dad. I have many goals. This is only one goal. It's a it's you know, it's not necessarily a spiritual goal, but here's one of my goals for you. I want you to have a lot of sex. That's one of my goals for you mm-hmm. as a dad, wanting a mm-hmm. son. He just looked at me like I was the best dad in the world. <laughs> <laughs> and I said and I said, and son, what I mean by that is you know, there can be the dirty, sleazy part of sex, but sex in marriage, Song of Solomon and Proverbs chapter 5 and elsewhere, Hebrews 13, uh, it's holy and it's undefiled and God has ordained mm-hmm. this. And how how good of the Lord to give us taste buds for food and then also intimacy with your, your spouse. And so uh, I want you to have a lot of sex, but I want it to be in marriage uh, when you can just Enjoy one another underneath the umbrella that God is a, a good, giving God, and so that's kind of you know where the book comes from. It's it's not a
1: oh, okay. you know it's
0: an appropri, appropriate book. Teenagers could read it if your if your kid has had the talk with the parents about sex, then they could read the book.
1: Gotcha, good deal, man. That's awesome. See, I, I'm I have the same uh, dynamic as far as kids. I have three girls and one boy, uh, and my son will be turning. Eleven, uh, next month. So uh, it's getting about time for that talk.
0: Uh, <laughs> well, you know, Duane. Here's closer. the here's the thing. Uh, with society now, it's just pushing everything, and so parents ask me mm-hmm. when should I have the talk with my kids? Because you know, the bad news is now when you write a book about sex, then you become the sex expert. <laughs> of course, <laughs> so, of course. <laughs> I, I I I'm no expert, but I think people maybe think I am. And but I tell them, listen. You're the dad, you know, you're the mom. Uh, I can't give you any kind of, you know, commands, but I can tell you that Mm -hmm. if I were you, I'd talk about it sooner than later because right right now when a kid on the playground shows a phone to another kid, what's on that phone, Mm -hmm. what's on that YouTube? It's some kind of pornography or something. And so I want my kids' first thoughts of that topic to be couched with This is God's design. Look at how God made Mm -hmm. the male body and the female body. Uh, Look at what he's done, how wonderful this is, this, that, and the other. My wife sitting there, the Bible open, versus this kind Mm -hmm. of slutty, sleazy, you know, pornography thing. And so, you know, I I know I can't get the genie back in the bottle uh, when it comes to this knowledge. They'll always now think about life differently but you know 11 12 years old and they're growing up you think i gotta be the dad and sit down and talk with the kids and so get on it right <laughs> okay okay yes sir yes sir. i mean it,
1: <laughs> it makes perfect sense though because like like you said it's so easy the access is just ridiculously easy uh um and and we we have to I guess be on the forefront of that you know so that I mean it makes perfect sense I mean I was exposed in like you know fourth fifth grade you know with the older cousin and the magazines and you know all of that stuff so that that makes sense I, I I'm on it man I I, I, I I'm on it <laughs>
0: okay. well you you can re- there's a whole chapter in the book about what to say and how to say it so I'll send you the book you Good can deal. read it and then make your own decision Okay. Good
1: deal. Look, I I let the book, the book be my procrastinator for now. <laughs> I'll wait for it to get here. <laughs> good stuff. And, and, um, it was a, it was a good friend of mine in South Carolina. Um, uh, Willie boy, is that his name? Willie, but they call him snap. But, um, he actually suggested the book. Um, and, um, he's in Columbia, South Carolina. Cause we were, was, was actually talking about the whole pornography you know, thing. And, and, and he was like, yeah, this is a really good one that deals with that. So, you know, shout out to my brother snap. I know he's
0: listening. Uh, well, um, I think uh, I've talked like, to Willie several times and I think maybe I even yeah, sent him yeah. a free, free book. So.
1: Oh, okay. See, Willie got you for free. He's trying to get, make me buy mine. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that, that, that's a cool brother, man. I, I, I want to make sure I put him on the air, man. because uh, cuz yeah he did mention that that you guys had contact so that's awesome. Um another book this isn't just a book review but I just I'm just interested because uh you know another book I saw was Jesus the only uh prince of preachers uh something like that and that's also in your signature. Is that a Charles Spurgeon uh shot or shade or you know
0: as as our young people say shots fired? <laughs> <laughs> Well, it was probably 2005ish or so I was preaching through Matthew's sermon on uh, sermon on the mount and here's this, you know, epic sermon by Jesus and I just begin to think about Jesus and his preaching and his teaching ministry and of course we know he's on the way to the cross and uh different gospels will emphasize, you know, a lot of that uh, passion week of course. But he was a preacher, mm-hmm. and you think of Mark chapter 1, and uh, he was preaching. Uh, he healed a bunch of people. Uh, the disciples got up early, and they couldn't find Jesus, so they scurried to find him. The text is literally, they hunted for him, and when they found Jesus, Peter said, everyone's looking for you. And you can just imagine, hands on hips, exasperated everybody's looking for you you know there are people to get healed they're outside the door and you're over here you're out here praying what's going on and jesus said you know i i came to preach and uh we got to go right. to the next village to preach you know and i want to tell my charismatic friends uh my pentecostal friends you know you can get healed and still go to hell physically healed and mm. still go to hell and So there's something more important than physical healing and that is forgiveness and being counted right in God's eyes by the, you know, righteousness of Christ Jesus. So anyway, liberals say, teach like Jesus, preach like Jesus. Uh, he was a man of the people. He told parables. He said things about mm-hmm. grain and wheat and, and just, you know, kind of dumb it down. So I thought, could we as evangelicals learn something from the preaching style of Jesus and, uh I thought, you know, he really is the Prince of Preachers. People say Spurgeon is, but uh, out Mm -hmm. of all the preachers, I even think, don't you think Spurgeon, if he were alive, he'd say Jesus is the real Prince of Preachers? Oh, yeah, of course (laughs) I would, of course, of course. Yeah, so uh, Thomas Watson, he was um, a Puritan back, oh, about 400 years ago, and when your listeners want to read a Puritan, Thomas Watson is a good place to start because he has great word pictures uh, he talks about deep things, but he's easier to understand than some of the other Puritans. And he had a quote, mm-hmm. and here was Watson's quote from the 1600s, and of course Spurgeon was 1800, so 200 years before Spurgeon. Jesus alone is the prince of preachers. He alone <laughs> is the best of expositors. Mm. So someone didn't like it that I said Jesus Christ the prince of preachers because I was slamming Spurgeon. So, when I put that quote in the front of the book, then people said, "Okay, we give Uncle <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's it uh, yeah, so that's, the whole that's book tight, is uh, yeah, the whole book is just about what you can learn uh both congregations and pastors and elders and Bible teachers from the preaching style of Jesus, and maybe one illustration is uh we and you preaching, so lots of times you'll hear preaching. And they'll say, you know, well, you know, we we ought to not complain, or we ought to be, you know, self-sacrificial in our giving, or we we ought to all do this, that, or the other. And I'm not saying it's wrong to do we preaching. After all, uh, the book of Hebrews, Mm -hmm. uh, it is a book of exhortation, chapter 13 says, and it's filled with we. Uh, But every place else you look, I don't even know if there's an exception, most every other place you look to, to be safe, you will see preaching that is second-person imperative, that is you. When Paul is preaching in Acts, when Peter's preaching in Acts, Ezekiel, Mm -hmm. Jeremiah, Isaiah, Jesus, it's all you. And so here's the thing. Of course, throughout the study week, I should say to myself, God, you're preaching to me in light of who you are in Christ Jesus. Be thankful. Lord, I'm not thankful sometimes. Please forgive me. I'm thankful that Jesus was always thankful and you see me through his righteousness, but now it's my responsibility as a herald, as a kerux is the Mm -hmm. Greek word, to go tell the people, speaking for God, not we, because I'm not speaking with God, I'm speaking for him. He sends me out, and then I say, I have a message from God, and the message is, in light of who you are in Christ, you need to be more thankful. Now, if I'm listening to that in the congregation, I'm thinking to myself, well, he doesn't mean me and uh, mm-hmm. the elder board, the deacon board. He doesn't mean me and some bishops. hes It's like Nathan's long finger in the sternum of David. He means me. You ought to be more thankful in light of who you are in Christ. So right. it's that kind of thing where you just see the direct nature of Jesus' preaching, and, and that's what I try to bring out in the book.
1: Wow. Good stuff, man. Real good stuff. Real good stuff. Yep, that is uh I was I was checking out some of the books and then, you know, on one of the, the messages on YouTube uh that I heard, man, probably about two or three years ago, right when I was kind of teeter tottering back and forth, um, was the Holy Spirit mysticism uh YouTube message. Are you familiar with what I'm talking about? I know you probably got so much on YouTube. Yeah something about well, mysticism.
0: Yeah, it was. I think that was a recording that I did from I was in uh Worldview weekends uh, Branson conference or, or one of those mm-hmm. but uh I know which one you're talking about.
1: Yeah, yeah, that one, man. That one was right on time because like I said I was I was kind of coming out of the whole, you know, <laughs> charismatic and, and 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 all the spookiness and that one was was right on time. Oh. <laughs> well, yeah, here yeah, in New
0: England, yeah, yeah. I'm sure you've got them down there too. Uh, during Halloween times and stuff, you know, they have these big haunted castles and haunted houses, and one here is called Spooky World. And so I guess we could probably call <laughs> we could call subjective mysticism Spooky World. Uh, there you go. You know, That's the new name. If, if, you di- if you just go back to, and let's go back to the name of your show, if you go back to Biblical and Reformed and you study the Bible and then you study Reformed Confessions and you do a little uh-huh. history study— you just kind of watch what happens and watch what Luther does with all the people who are so uh, enthusiastic about these special ways that God speaks to them. Uh, mm-hmm. The question that everybody has to answer is, how does God speak today? And does he speak the same way he used to? And of course, if you go to a charismatic church, what you often see is Hebrews 13:8 up, you know, uh, someplace posted. Uh, Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. And of course, mm-hmm. that's true, but that has nothing to do with spiritual gifts. Uh, that has to do with, if you want to follow people, follow the godly leaders in chapter 13, verse 7. But there's a, there's a more godly leader. There's somebody who never failed, and he is Jesus, the immutable God. Well, here's what we do. We've got this external book outside of us called the Bible, 66 books uh, in, in one book. And that's the great part about it. It is outside of us. We are not mm-hmm. Quakers. Quakers believe that God speaks on the inside. And the, the, the damaging and the damning thing about that kind of charismatic Quakerism, which all, all our charismatic friends do today, including so many evangelicals with Jesus Calling and Beth Moore and Nan Voskamp, and the list just goes on, is right. that God speaks on the inside of us. So, so let's just go back to the fall. The fall... An understanding of the fall solves so many problems. So when Adam sinned, he was the federal head, and we in Adam fell. Remember the old New England Mm -hmm. primer. A, in Adam's fall, we sinned all. And God counted that first sin to our credit, and consequently now we're born of the sin nature. So that means I'm tainted. Uh, That means I'm not, uh, uh, I can't trust myself. Doesn't Jeremiah 17 tell us? that the heart is desperately wicked, deceitful above all else, who could know it? So I mm. need something that's holy and undefiled and not tainted by the fall, something outside of me, and that's called the revealed Word of God, where God superintended that Word. And if you look at 2 Peter chapter 1, how he moved these men uh, to to write his Word exactly the way he wanted it. So, you know, I, mm-hmm. I grew up as a charismatic, and I'm not angry at charismatics, so, you know, the conservative ones but they're fooling themselves right. if they think God is talking to them personally. Why don't they just say this? Why don't they just say, you know what? We walk by faith and not by sight. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. I have a decision to make, and God's not going to tell me. Uh, I've got a son who's 20, 21 years old at the Master's University, and I've taught him principles, and now he needs to make those decisions. You know, We're expecting God is going to teach us things and then always tell us what to do. I mean, it's, uh, and I'll stop here in just a second so you can, you know, ask me oh, no, another fine. kind of question. Okay. <laughs> but, but we say, okay, uh, I'd like to do the right thing and honor God with this decision. My charismatic friends, I, I commend that. That's good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But you can just trust in who God is, and he's not going to, he doesn't need to talk to you or, or give you a little whisper or burn your bosom or anything else, The still small voice. Just make a decision. Decision-making process mm. for the Christian is simple. What does the Bible say? What does wisdom say? That is wisdom from above, prayer, and wisdom from others. There's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. And then make a decision. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. God is sovereign, and God can clean up things if you make a wrong decision, and God is guiding us, and we don't need to have all these words uh, uh, of, you know, God t- just told me this. Uh, you know, And we just play mm-hmm. fast and loose mm-hmm. with language. Mm-hmm. It's not God talking to us. God talked, and it says in Hebrews 1, in these last days, how does God talk? Well, in the old days, through dreams and through visions and everything else, but in these last days, He speaks to us in the person of His Son and, of course, His apostolic messenger. So I'm just sad for my charismatic friends that they're just going inward like a Quaker instead of going outward. I mean, there's an old comedian. Her name is Lily Tomlin. And uh, she said, you know, when we talk to God, that's called prayer. When God talks to us outside the Bible, that's called schizophrenia. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> and she
0: wasn't, she's not even a believer. So right. God does speak. Right. Wow. God does speak. And he speaks to us finally and fully and only now because of where we are uh, in his word. Wow.
1: That's good, man. That's really good. Um, man just there's so many nuggets in that you know and and I have a few friends that are uh that are reformed but uh I guess uh they're continuationists um like some some guys, some guys that are out there um and so I, I just you know come with me the the abuse of the gifts in the charismatic world is actually what drew me out You know? And so like I told them I almost became a fundamentalist. I almost like was just like, you know, (laughs) let's shut it all down, you know. And then and then then I I hooked up with some with some guys that were, you know, reformed and and, and gave me that. So that was really good, man. That that was that was so many nuggets in that, man. I I really appreciate that. Um, because like you said, you know, Hebrews one one, man, that's anytime I post that anywhere like I get the most uh, rebuke and comments, and oh, man, the comment section blows up, especially on my Be Not the page, you know. That one and female pastors are the two that that really, uh,
0: <laughs> they get a lot of buzz, man, for real. Well, let's talk about female pastors in a second, but back to the continuationist name, and I've got friends, too, who are Calvinistic and Reformed, and they're continuationist, and and I understand that, and, you know, I'm glad to have them as friends, and there's a lot of you know big name people who who do that as well, but I, I did mm-hmm. a video the other you know a few years ago I just reposted it and I, I called uh, I called it Continuationists Need a Name Change because mm. to my continuationist mm. friends is the Bible still uh, being unfolded is 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 their revelation being given today. Uh, that's biblical, that, you know, adding new books to the canon? The answer is no. So why would we say continuationist when that doesn't happen? Are there still apostles today being given by the uh, second person of the Trinity, Ephesians 4 style, and he gives them to the church? The answer is no, that hasn't continued. So why use the word continuationist? Does God still give only inerrant prophecy to people like he used to in the New Testament? The answer is no. And Grudem will talk about, you know, errant prophecy. So that doesn't continue. So why do we call ourselves continuationists? Uh, The Bible Mm. teaches that when Jesus and the apostles healed, it was organic. It was instantaneous. Uh, It could be filmed by uh, the cameras at ESPN, and uh, unbelievers would all say (laughs) that's true. But that doesn't continue today. So why do we call ourselves continuationists? And the list goes on. So I just think they need a new name. Cause what continues? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Now that
1: woo, that's a fire right there for sure. That's. I mean, I never even thought about it like that, but that's. I'm definitely gonna repost that video. I just looked it up while I was, we were talking. That is going up
0: for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then the the yes, women pastor thing. Uh, my wife Kimberly, uh, she's a dear lady, godly lady if i told you what books of the bible she's memorized and how she disciples ladies and what she studies uh, you would think oh that, that's wonderful and so of course men and women Galatians 3:28 are equal in Christ we uh, aren't justified more as men we're not redeemed more as men we're not regenerated more as men i mean we are equal in Christ in every way shape and form we as image bearers uh, who are now sinful When we are saved, uh, we are saved, you know, and placed into Christ's body, union with Christ, in the exact same way. And it's through the non-meritorious instrument of faith. But God has different roles, and so he has, you know, dads and moms have different roles, and there are different roles in the church, too. And people just don't want that because society has, you know, just made everybody so equal. And it's, it's clear, you know. Uh, I mm-hmm. was criticizing Wayne Grudem a, a second ago, but now I'll say something that he said that's just wonderful. Wayne Grudem said, if you can take <laughs> 1 Timothy 2, which says, I do not you know, allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. In the context of a local church, if you can make that say, I do allow a woman to teach and exercise authority over a man, then you can make the Bible say whatever you want. Mm. So the Bible is super simple. Christianity as a name is taken. So if you want to have women preachers and pastors, well fine, just, you know, if your name's Sheila, I guess just call it Sheilaism, as Michael Horton would say. Make up a different <laughs> name, but it's super clear. And one of the right. things we don't talk right. about much and and I think it probably gets me into hot water if I do talk about it. Uh, I have strengths and weaknesses and so does my wife. And so, for instance, if the kids are 10 years old and they're throwing up in the night, they don't come to my side of the bed because I would just tell them to get over it and and go back to bed.
1: (laughs) Right, right. They come to my
0: wife's side. Why? Because she's a mom. She's a lady. She's warm. She's comforting. She's receiving these kids. Yes, please, I want to help you at my own expense. I'll help you. And so what does... uh, the epistles talk about, the pastoral epistles, especially, Mm -hmm. Uh, you think to yourself, okay, what is good in a lady that is her kindness and her reception of these dear little ones on the side of the bed? That also can hurt when it comes to false doctrine. One of the reasons Mm -hmm. why ladies aren't to be the pastors, to be the shepherds, because they would be too tempted to say, oh, you know what? They're really nice, or they've done good in the community, or something like that. So their strength becomes their weakness, and of right. course, my strength, so men's strength, can become weaknesses too. No wonder P- Peter says, "Don't lord it over." And mm. so I just think that you know we have to be careful that when God says men are to lead the church, uh, then men are to re- lead the church. I did a video called uh, "Women Preachers Over My Dead Body." Uh, over so- my dead body, will I have women get up in the pulpit and preach? Because God is very clear. Right. And uh, I had to say that once to a lady when I first got here. She wanted to read scripture. I can read Psalm 103 better than you can. Uh, why are there always men reading and preaching and everything? And she just wouldn't stop. And so a couple of years into it, I just said, and I'll change her name for the sake of the guilty, uh, Abigail, <laughs> you can read Psalm 103 today in the pulpit during the worship service over my dead body. <laughs> and then I never, I, I never saw her again. And so it's just very, it's it's just very simple when you read First Timothy, Second Timothy, Titus. What's the mandate uh, for these right. men? Men aren't better. If you look at our marriage, you'll say I pick the godly one, and nobody's picking me. But that's that's irrelevant mm-hmm. when it comes to what God calls men to be in the pulpit. And you even think about some of the masculine words. And we, Who wants to talk about this today? 1 Corinthians 16, act like men. He even tells the <laughs> ladies at Corinth to act like men. He doesn't mean dress up. He doesn't mean transgender. He doesn't mean you know, wear uh, cap, cap, you know, capris and toms or something like that. What's he mean? What are men? <laughs> Courageous, bold, brave. They defend. They protect. Corinthians, you need to do that because if you would have been doing it, you wouldn't be in the mess that you're in. So we live in this this day and age where if you say anything about women preachers, people freak mm-hmm. out. And I'm thinking to myself, mm-hmm. I have to be kind to people and I have to be gentle with people because I want them to learn what the scripture says, but it is crystal clear. And if you understand the right. text but still won't submit to it, you're a rebel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's good that's so good man because like i said that's that's one of those hot topics you know if we post about that, it's is up and running for sure that we get a whole bunch of uh my facebook uh a report says a whole bunch of interaction and view <laughs> it blows up on that week so uh Good stuff, good stuff. Man, I really enjoyed this, Pastor Mike, man. Um, you know, like I told you, I don't I don't hold people that long, man. So we're gonna transition into some of the what I call fun stuff. You might not like it, but we'll see. But um what I like to ask my guests every week, uh, is first off, I like to start off with what kind of music do you listen to what is the what's in your your playlist what what you got going on i know you said reggae when you work out so we can go ahead and mark that one off so what what else what's going on with you Uh,
0: well i had a an mri in uh new york the other day and they they will allow you to listen to music so i said give me reggae (laughs) they said really i said i said yes um my wife and i have been taking ballroom dancing Lessons, nice. you know, waltz and foxtrot and stuff mm-hmm. like that and swing. And so that means big band music and that means a lot of, you know, Frank Sinatra. So I've been listening mm-hmm. to him a little bit. I took my wife to, to, to get her to marry me. Kind of like the final date was New Year's Eve in Las Vegas to see Frank Sinatra in 1988. So see, that wow. brings back good memories. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I said, I was a punk rock disc jockey before I got saved. And there are some songs that are inappropriate that I don't listen to, but. I'm almost reverting back to music um that I listened to when I was twenty years old and so I like New Order. Uh uh-huh. you know, I like Jack White, um you know, the white stripes, you know, just kind of I I, I personally don't listen to hardly any Christian music, whether it's rap or R and B or contemporary, just because and and I know I'm I'm wrong on this, I know this, but I don't have time to sort out good lyrics from bad lyrics. Right, I don't have time right, to right, sort out, does right. this person deny the Trinity, or is this person speaking on stage with the word faith heretic? I don't have time for all that. So I know if I listen to rock and roll, and there's some songs I mean, I just don't listen to. I don't listen to <laughs> Sympathy for the Devil or Highway to Hell or something. Right, right, right.
1: right, but, right.
0: but I just don't really listen to Christian music much because Unless it's you know a hymn or worship music for the church on a Sunday, I just don't want to have my guard up, you know. And and Kay loves stuff. It's just like, yeah. So anyway, I pretty much listen to secular music. And by the way, if you got any legalists listening to this um, podcast, if they listen (laughs) to classical music, well, classical music was written by a bunch of pagans too. So you can't even listen to that, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, I, I'm sure there's some legalists on, man. Um, and because it's funny, every time I I love asking this question because you know I went through a period in my t- in, in my walk, man, where you know I I couldn't I didn't listen to anything secular and and I was you know shutting it all out, calling it all devils and demons, whatever. And then I noticed that I was inconsistent because I turn around and watch a movie that says pretty much the same thing that's in a lyric, you know. And I was like, you know, that's how am I gonna you know, how can I defend this? And then, you know, speak against that. And then, you know, just, just understanding scripture, man, and, and, and getting, getting more understanding of, of, of our liberties, man. And that, you know, the whole, uh, you know, uh, uh, secular and all that, man, I I'm pretty much where you are. Like you said, there, there's a lot of junk, especially, especially on, on, on the African-American gospel side. Oh my gosh. Like you would literally have to fine tooth comb to find something, you know, that's scriptural or substance. or like you said, uh, understands, you know, the Trinity, or, you know, whatever. So I'll, I'm, I'm actually gradually getting to, to where you are. Uh, there, there are a few Christian, uh, uh, you know, rappers that I like, but you know, it, and, and that's mainly because of relationships that I've, I've built with them, but, um, and I know them, but other than that, I'm, I'm kind of in the same place. So a lot of recording and a lot of, you know, uh, radio, uh, do you listen to any podcasts or any sermons or anything other than, you know, yourself and and editing?
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, I try not to listen to myself too much unless I'm going to critique myself, which is very painful. Uh, But I do like podcasts. I listen to them at usually 1.5 speed. I like to ride a bicycle, and so I'm out on the bicycle catching up Uh. on podcasts. I listen to some secular podcast, uh, Hardcore History, or, you know, a few different NPR ones and stuff you should know mm-hmm. about, or, you know, things like that. But the biblical ones, I especially listen to two pastors. I mean, I listen to thousands of MacArthur sermons, but I listen mm-hmm. now to a man who died in 2004, his name S. Lewis Johnson. S. Lewis Johnson, mm-hmm. a guy from... Uh, South Carolina, Alabama, moved to Texas, and uh, he is just a a master preacher, and he's not flashy but faithful. MacArthur says, Mm -hmm. I've listened to more S.O.S. Johnson sermons than than anybody else. So I listen to him, and I listen to Sinclair Ferguson. Those are my two favorite preachers uh, Ferguson. I listen to. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And so (laughs) I I love them. A podcast, I listen to Christ the Center uh which is a, a good show. I listen to the Heidelcast cast with R. Scott Clark. Uh mm-hmm, those are a couple mm-hmm. I like to listen to.
1: Nice, nice. <clears throat> You're on the bike man, that's that you know, that's uh Dr. White. He does a lot of listening on the bike from the dividing line. So that's cool, man. I'm excited about that. Uh, you got to add the bar in there somewhere, man. You know, give us a, a half a play or something, man.
0: You know what? <laughs> I will. I'm going to download it and see see if I could uh, listen to you at 1.5 speed, see how that works. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to take some of the bass out of my voice, so I don't know if you want to – I don't know if that would be as enjoyable.
0: <laughs> well, speaking of James White, uh, James and I – and. Uh, Steve Lawson and some other folks will all be in Germany uh, just in a couple months for Reformation 500. And uh, No Compromise Radio is going to have a little booth there in the streets of Wittenberg, Germany. And I'll interview James and Steve White. uh, I mean, James and Steve Lawson (laughs) after their – yeah, James White and Steve (laughs) Lawson. I was going to say Steve White and James Lawson. James Lawson. Lawson. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So you know, it's still not too late to sign up. If any of your listeners want to want to go over to Germany and then Geneva and Zurich, we're going to do that trip. And so I've had James uh-huh. out here several times, and uh, I don't think I can beat James on a bicycle. But my brother Pat, Home uh-huh. Bible Church, he's uh, you know cat two or three racer, and he, he he can he can hold the line and take care of James. So if James uh-huh. is listening, Pat's got your there number. There you go.
1: <laughs> there you go there you go that's what's up i don't i don't think he's listening but good 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 call <laughs> but um hey i had uh a dr uh steve you about to make me say steve white dr lawson on um i met him at g3 and uh this this past well in january i met him at g3 and i had him on and um and it was it was man it was awesome to have him on the show and just so many nuggets so passionate about preaching man so uh that that was really good um I, I wanted to say this one thing uh which i thought was funny you know we, we in this it's kind of a backpedal but uh since we're on our way out i figured i said because if i don't then i'm like man i should have said it but but we're talking about the the continuationist you know quote unquote people need to change their name um and we're talking about the big names that c you know consider themselves that um I had Phil Johnson on and Phil made a statement that was I, I think you would appreciate it. Phil says he loves when J- uh John Piper preaches, but he don't like when he sits down and talks. Would you would you agree to that?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, <clears throat> you know, Phil and I are friends and so I don't want to contradict Phil, so I could just agree. <laughs> my, my, my opinion on that is I think John Piper's the best, not even when he preaches, uh, but when mm-hmm. he writes. And so yeah, uh, yeah, I'm, yeah. I, I'm not as gifted a writer or anything like that, but here's what I do know about writing and editing. Uh, when I wrote the Romans commentary uh, for Zondervan, uh, I had an mm-hmm. editor, a literary editor, a theological editor, and, you know, they were just destroying my... <laughs> my you know my sentences with red ink but they're actually right, helping right. me and so mm-hmm. i think i think when piper's gotten in trouble uh, with what he's said it's that exactly that's what with what he said but after he sits and he thinks and he gets edited and uh, you wait a little bit and you have other external eyes kind of looking at things then i think mm-hmm. that would be his best for instance his romans 9 commentary and his uh, Swans Are Not Silent series. I mean, to me, that's Piper at his best. I don't really mm-hmm, listen mm-hmm, to him preach mm-hmm. or talk to him much, but you know, people's theology comes out, and so he is a continuationist, so it comes out. Right. Um, and so I, I think if you're going to, you know, I, I, if somebody's got a Piper book, I don't tell him, you know, destroy it. I just think for me personally, it, it would be Swans Aren't Silent and that Romans 9, I think that's that's his best kind of thing. Gotcha, gotcha. Good deal. Good deal. Because, that was pretty diplomatic like, our, answer wasn't it? That was a diplomatic answer. Yeah, it was answer. very, 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 very. It caught me it, off guard a little bit. Well here here's here's what here's what happens. Um I could learn from John Piper because he he offers the body of Christ a lot. Mm-hmm. I just don't really want to learn from him because I just pick other people. So here's what I mean by that. Mm-hmm. Uh, all our listeners, we just have a certain amount of time for reading, for study, for other things. I mean, unless you're going to right. be some kind of, you know, aesthetic monk and go off into the wilderness someplace, uh, we, there's only so much we can read and so much we can listen to. So you've got to pick your battles. And so even if it's good, better, best, mm-hmm. you know, you can't listen to everybody all the time. So I could learn from him, and I, and I have learned from him. His message, uh, Philippians 1, to live as Christ and to die gain. You know, I remember that sermon to this day. But I don't really Mm -hmm. want to learn from John anymore because he's, you know, whether it's promoting Francis Chan or Mark Driscoll or Doug Wilson or Defending for an Hour, Rick Warren's Purpose Driven Life book, etc. I just think, you know, I'm just going to go with people like S. Lewis Johnson or Sinclair Ferguson, somebody that Mm -hmm. teaches in line with what i believe something more confessional something more reformed and so uh, that's kind of my philosophy with that i i could learn from him obviously uh, but i just choose to learn from different people because time is so short i i can't go read all this other stuff when i'm trying to read a john owen book or Mm -hmm. something you know what i mean
1: right right yeah oh yeah that makes perfect sense uh that that speaks to me because sometimes I'm, I'm in that place where I'm like, you know, where, where to go to next, you know, kind of scattered. And so uh, I have to be more uh, diligent in in what I, what I take my time to read, man. So Pastor Mike, man, I really, really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to be on the bar with us. Uh, I want to leave you uh, last couple of minutes to say whatever you want to say to my people and, and do all the plugs and shout outs and everything, man, right here in this space.
0: All right, perfect. Well, I want all the listeners just to close their eyes and uh, uh, just raise their hand or put it out to the TV or put it out to the radio or put it out to your computer <laughs> for a point of contact. And I just want Yay. you to know God's got a blessing for you. You just send your money to No Compromise Radio, and I'll make sure it gets to Jesus. <laughs> I love it. no. <laughs> Seriously, I I started off the show, No Compromise Radio, because I didn't want to compromise, and I saw so much compromise in the world. But as time Mm -hmm. went on, I thought, you know what? I compromise too. I mean, I don't like it when Mm -hmm. I do, but I'm I'm frail and fallible and sinful too. So then I began to think, you know what? No compromise. Jesus said of the Father, to the Father, I always do what's pleasing to him. Uh, the father said of Jesus, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So can you imagine Jesus never compromised? He never complained. He never grumbled. He always was thankful. He never sinned. He he never had a lustful look. I mean, the list goes on. And so that's what I like to talk about is Jesus, because he never compromised. And then specifically, Mm -hmm. what did he do? Besides preaching that we talked about, he at Calvary made sure that neither love, grace, And holiness and justice, none of those attributes were compromised because that's where wrath and grace meet is at the cross. And so I like to talk about Jesus and the cross and, of course, confirmed by the resurrection. And so when it comes to No Compromise Radio, if you want to hear about you or other things that it's not the show for you, if you want to hear about Jesus regularly and often, com. I'm teaching through Hebrews now on Sunday mornings at the church that's bbcchurch.org I think we're 35 messages in and I just finished chapter 2 <laughs> so, <laughs> We're taking this we're taking the slow boat uh yeah, you know man. this might be the last book I ever preach and so I'm just going slow <laughs> maybe that'll extend my life So there you, go. you know <laughs> And uh, if people want to order any of the books, it's on nocompromiseradio.com, or they can go to Amazon or anything like that. Uh, People can email me questions. Uh, I I look at all the emails unless they're just people acting stupid, then we just delete them. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) (laughs) But you can disagree with me, and I'll read it and answer But once you start doing the name-calling thing, then we have folks who just delete those.
1: Gotcha. (laughs) That's funny. Good stuff, man. Like I said, I really appreciate it. And you guys make sure you check out no compromise radio. Good, good, good stuff. Uh, um, one more thing. I just thought about it. Um, you have, uh, there's like, a, I don't know if it, is it your wife? Someone that does like a, another little sub show within your show for women. Did I see that one time?
0: Yeah, well, what happened was, you know, it's easy for my easy for me to say that, you know, women shouldn't be teaching men, but you know, what you're going to do about it, kind of thing. And so, do right. not be do not be surprised. dot uh, com, I think it's dot com. Erin Benziger, she um, attends my friend uh, Don Green's church in Ohio, and she's kind of on the cutting edge of seeing all these different trends and everything else. And so I said, to Erin. Why don't you do a show for ladies? It's called Equipping Eve. And uh, Mm -hmm. we'll just put it on the No Compromise feed. I mean, I don't have a huge platform, but it's bigger than hers. And then Mm -hmm. she can talk about women's issues. How do you equip Eve and, you know, study theology? And it can be for ladies only. And so uh, you can go to the No Compromise site to find that, or you can go to Equipping Eve. Or do not be surprised, and you can listen to Aaron, and it'll be solid biblical teaching from a lady
1: good stuff good stuff yeah i wanted to put that out there too because because uh, i i was listening you know i was doing my my catch-up you know in the car with me and my wife was taking a trip and uh and it got to that and she really enjoyed that and uh she started you know checking out those those shows so just want to make sure that we put that out there as well um man so much awesomeness uh really appreciate you again for coming on and everybody like i said make sure you you uh follow him on twitter he's on twitter follow him on instagram he's on instagram all of it under no compromise Radio. also on facebook even though he didn't do all these plugs but i'm gonna do it for you um and then also make sure you follow us on instagram twitter facebook it's the bar you can search biblical and reform and uh man so awesome so great to be here first thing in the morning i'm finally woke and so as soon as I wake up now <laughs> it's time to get off.
0: <laughs> well, just don't just don't read the new Ann Voskamp book and you're gonna be woke and broke. <laughs> no sir, no sir. Yeah, no
1: no issues with that, man. So good deal. All right, y'all. We out of here. God bless you. Check you next week. <laughs> up bar listeners is finally here the bar exclusive content Yes, that's right. You can sign up to receive exclusive content as low as $2 a week or $5 a month, $50 for the year to get exclusive content. What is the exclusive content? I'm glad you asked. Exclusive content is additional information from my guests, extra time with them in the green moon setting, laid back, them asking me questions, I ask them questions and also the Facebook group. You get an invitation to the Facebook group where we will have discount codes for the bar gear and many many more make sure you sign up the links in the show notes join the VIP inside the bar group and we'll see you there